everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Vitality. This is episode four. I am Steve, aka the Whimsical Warlord. I'm Laura. All right, let's get started. I always wonder when, like, whenever we start this, like, am I going to say the same thing that I said last time? I want to have I mean, continuity. you have. Yeah, okay, good. I'm just afraid of uh, messing something up. Yeah. I know that our viewers, many people have told me, like, Steve, I love how continuous you are on this show. Very consistent. Right, and no one said that to me. Anyway, the topic for today is how to have a better conversation. This is something that I feel like I'm decently qualified to talk about. I feel like you're decently qualified as well. Yeah, we talk about communication a lot. Right. We're by no means experts. I don't think I could teach a class on this, but recording a podcast, barriers to entry, very low. We've taken classes on communi- communication. That's true. I took interpersonal communication last semester. Great class. Great class. Uh, yeah, I was in a communications studies class, but yeah. Literally similar. studied it. That's... Can't get more personal than that. There's a whole school for it right yeah. here. I'm not in that school, but still. <laughs> Me neither. It was a fun class, though. By the way, I've kind of lost my voice a little bit, but... It just you makes better go catch... That was stupid. Yeah. I'm sorry. It just makes things more interesting. You know, maybe next time Steve will lose his voice. Who knows? Right, yeah. We're just... We're going... We do lots of crazy things with yeah. vitality. Okay. But even if we can't talk, we still got a podcast, you know? Right, exactly. Well, I mean, we couldn't at that if we, like, literally couldn't talk because it would just kind of be, like, silence. We could get a robot to do it for us. That's Microsoft Sam. Is that still a thing, Microsoft Sam? I don't know. I was studying on Quizlet this week, actually. <laughs> Side note. About I Microsoft was, Sam? No. Um, I don't know how many Microsoft I Sam was, related Quizlets one of my were. One of my study um, tips lot, is apparently. to get on Quizlet and have it read it to you. Because mm. um, that like helps me focus. And the robot voice is very monotone. Anyway, so I have robot voices on my mind And you right like now. that? That it's extremely monotone? No, but it just, something about hearing something else, like, read it to me really helps. All right. I actually, you know, I think within five years, that will just not be a problem anymore. Cause, oh, really? Like, yeah, because have you seen the video where it's, like, um, Jordan Peele, I think, and the engineers at Google, and they take a voice clip of him, and they have, like, used, like, other audio clips to train like a neural network to sound like his voice. I don't know if it's a neural network. I'm just kind of throwing out terms that I don't cool. understand. Yeah. Anyway, but so then they could just like type things in and then it would say it in Jordan Peele's voice, which was really cool. Yeah. And it sounded just like him. And like he freaked out. It was like, what? I didn't say that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, this could like potentially put a lot of narrators out of work if you can just train their yeah. voice. And then that's weird. You would be like uh, replacing yourself. Although I guess you wouldn't even get a choice because if you're an established narrator, you already have a lot of content out there. True. So, yeah, Audible could just be robots, you know, in five years. And yeah. our podcast. <laughs> wow. And uh, on that note, back to the main topic. This is, I think this is a good conversation. This is a case study. Okay. Of good conversation. Anyway. 50 minutes later. Okay, that's, that's all that, the That's that it. Need. We didn't talk about anything we wrote down. But the first thing that I did write down, though, that was a smooth transition. Mm. Lesson one, actually. The real lesson one, though is to set artificial time constraints when you're talking to someone, especially if it's a stranger. I think this is very important because if you just go up to someone and they have no idea how long they're going to be talking to you, that can be really uncomfortable because I think, you know, 90 plus percent of people get nervous talking to strangers, even if they are extroverted or outgoing normally, like talking to a complete stranger, you know, can be pretty uncomfortable. But if you say, I don't even know, like a good example, like, hey, I'm about just passing by to get drinks with my friends like if you're in a bar or something but like could you recommend this thing or whatever and they're like oh yeah and then the interaction is a lot less tense right because they know you're gonna leave 
on our college campus, we often run into our friends quite often. And I think right. that could be like a good example of this situation where you're running into someone, maybe you haven't seen them in a couple months and you want to say, hi, like, how are you doing? But if you say like, oh, I have a class like right now, like I, I need to go, then like that can like really, that can be kind of freeing on the conversation because they're not like tied down, just like talking to you forever and ever about your life story. Like, it's just more of like, oh, hey, and like passing on. Right. And I'm normally not an advocate of lying, but I think if you get a lie about an artificial time constraint to make it easier yeah. for both of you, go I for think it. People feel bad because it's like, oh, like I'm lying. But the overall gain that you get from having a better conversation and seeming like using more like social cues. Right. Well, and like they're never going to like check up on you and find out that you were lying. Like literally You didn't never. have an exam? Oh, friendship <laughs> over. That's not going to happen. I did enjoy the conversation more because I wasn't pressured by you though. God, now I'm conflicted. I've had that conversation with a lot of people. Something else that I just thought of on this note of seeing people like around campus is the when you see someone from far away and you like recognize each other, but you still have like 30 seconds before you can, you're close enough to actually talk to the, i despise that that is my biggest enemy in this world it happens to be like daily right right and that it happened a lot when i was in high school as well because the fine arts hallway and my school was very very long so it's just you know going down yeah i spent a lot of time there happened to me multiple times a day and so what i my good friend brian he we i was talking about this with him one time he was saying that he well, like, when you see someone, he'll, like, look at his phone and then look up when he, like, knows they're there and be like, oh, whoa, how's it going? Didn't see you. And I I thought when I first heard this, this was, like, over a year ago that we had this conversation. I was like, I don't know. That's kind of weak. Like, do I really want to use a cop-out thing like that? I use it all the time now. I think it's great. Yeah, I think if you know someone, because for me, like, my initial response would be to just stay on my phone and not say hi. But if you know someone personally, like, you know that you have their first and last name and you run in the same social circle, then definitely just say hi like oh definitely steve and i are in a pretty big organization where you know a lot of people like you may not be good friends with them but right if you run in the same social circle with as them like say you're, you're in the same like office building or the same club but you're not like best friends then just go say hi because oftentimes the other person will not say hi but if you do say hi there's low risk like they always appreciate it right I remember thinking when I was like 14 or 15 that, you know, I would be walking in the hallways and like the hallways were pretty congested in my high school. So if you wanted to get away with not looking at someone and just being like, oh, I didn't see you. And like, that's why you didn't say hi to him. You could. So I did that a lot because I just always thought that if I said hi to someone every time I saw them in school, they'd be like, why does Steve keep saying hi to me? He's so annoying. And then I was talking to my parents about it and they were like, no, I think they'd be, like, more upset if you didn't say hi to them. Right. That's why I'm saying it's a low risk. Because it right, sounds right. scary to say hi, but then once you actually do it, it, just that small interaction can improve someone's opinion of you a lot more than you might think. Right. And it also might just improve their day, improve your day. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't know, like, what's going on in their life. So just right. to kind of extend that um, gesture out to them is, like, very rewarding for a lot of people. Yeah. Something I just realized, I, I think that makes it obvious that we're a rookie podcast. I just, like, said right as I was, like, taking a drink, so I said it into my cup. Probably sounded really weird. But it's fine. We're doing this for the experience anyway. This is Sound not the effects. Tim Ferriss show. I wish it was, though. I was walking to the Tim, listening to the Tim Ferriss show when I was walking over here. Maybe someday we'll be able to record in a studio. 
Wink, if anybody wants to sponsor us and give us a studio that yeah. we can use. Tim Ferriss, if you want to let us use your studio, I wouldn't say no. I would say yes, actually. I don't know why I was indirect about it like that. Yeah, we just don't want to pay for it. So Right, exactly. Yeah, I really don't want to put that much work into any of this. But Tim Ferriss, if you're listening, he probably is. Like He knows yeah. a good podcast when he sees one. Yeah, and he knows that he does. <laughs> he can just let us in. Right, yeah. I mean, he. I, I think he listens to all the projects his fans create. So. Yes. All right. With that, I think we can segue on to my second point that I've written down, which is rate of speech, vocal tonality, generally just how to sound more pleasant when you're speaking. I feel like this is something over the past five years or so I've gotten a lot better about, and I guess you can check and see old videos of me to see if what I've said is true. But speaking with a slower rate of speech, which is not to say that you have to speak slowly, but just not rushing all the time helps a lot. Speaking a little bit deeper helps too. Uh, and the advice that I have on that note, speaking with a deeper voice, there's actually, I don't know how popular a video this is. There's this Elliot Hulse video. Do you know who Elliot Hulse is? No, I don't. Um, he, I, I see him referenced occasionally in the, the circles that I follow. I, I think his most popular video on his channel is like how to have a deeper voice. And he has this exercise where he's talking about he like bounces on his heels and goes like oh and then that apparently like stretches out his vocal cords or whatever and makes his voice deeper i don't think i ever tried it or if i did i tried it once and was like this is too much work and then stopped but he was like oh yeah if you go and check my old youtube videos like my voice is much higher so theoretically it could work and i actually i saw another youtuber that i do watch a lot recommend that technique so maybe there's something to it if you want to have a deeper voice and uh, you don't have any roommates i guess you can try that one that not what i'm recommending here though um, i always like growing up i always thought that i had a pretty deep voice and that I, I got made fun of a lot for it being quite monotone and i don't know maybe you just i did too in middle school yeah it was like the it was called a mean me the joke. Yeah, yeah it was a mean joke back in the day but i don't know i think once again, like, your thing is a testament to saying, like, having a deep voice, like, isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think people might respect you more if you have a deeper voice as well. Because I think for oh, women, especially, like if you have a very, like... Or implies power, I Yeah, guess. if you're a woman and you have a very, like, chirpy voice, like, it implies, like, more femininity. Is that too many ends? But, um... I agree. But if you have a deeper voice, it's more, like, manly, so... It might not be, like, attractive to, like, listen to, but it's not as, like, people take you more seriously. Well, I mean, I feel like most narrators have deep voice. Like, yeah. he's the Allstate guy or whatever. He was one of those, or not State Farm, one of the insurance companies where they have the guy who's like, you're in good hands. That's Allstate, right? Uh, yeah. That Yeah, that guy has a very pleasing voice. Yeah, and the guys who do um, football, like, um, the speaker. Like the commentators? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. They have really great voices. I wonder if they talk like that in real life. They probably have know. a voice that they, like, use for football. Right. I mean, I feel like I'm more conscious of my voice when I'm recording. So maybe. I do. You, I mean, do you feel like I sound different now than I do when I normally talk to you? Not really. But I know that my mom, for sure, has a voice that she uses whenever she's, like, like say she's ordering pizza or something. Right. She, she has a voice that she right. uses my to, mom like, does sound. That too. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, there was this episode of Everybody Hates Chris where they got, because, you know, it's set in the 80s, I think, where they got an answering machine and 
his mom, uh, like Chris Rock's mom, was like using a very affected voice uh, when she was setting the like answering machine message. So all of her friends were like, oh, yeah, I called you. But like you sounded like a white woman, which I thought was funny. It was just not something I had ever like thought about before. But it was like, oh, yeah, girl, you just like she was so stilted or whatever, trying to make it sound pleasing to listen to that all of her friends thought she was white. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so I didn't even get to my thing about the D. Oh, yeah, I saw this Art of Manliness video talking about how to make your voice sound more pleasant. And it was saying how, you know, there's like chest voice and head voice, things like that. It's normally singing terms, um, but, you know, your chest voice, you like speak down like this. And your head voice, you talk up here and it sounds nasally. But it was saying the um, like ideal place in your body to be speaking is like behind your like mouth and nose like the the mask i think is what it's called and the way to figure out how to speak there more naturally is to go mm-hmm one mm-hmm two and then just count up and I, I don't think the one two counting part of it is that important but the mm-hmm it like forces you to speak in the mask and then if you were able to do that consistently that's like your sweet spot like that is where the best voice for each person is. And you're not going to be able to make your voice super deep and, you know, sound like the great narrators and everything. But for you, that's the way to go. And maybe there are exceptions to that, but that's what I have found work for me. I enjoy it. The other things I have on vocal tonality are pausing. When you pause, try to remove uh and um. I feel like I've gotten pretty good at this. I have definitely heard myself say, uh, just in this episode. Oh, I'm so bad. Yeah. That wasn't a yeah as in like, yes, you are, but I was just <laughs> agreeing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but when you pause, just let there be silence. And you theoretically might get interrupted a little bit more because of this, because the reason that we say, um, is because we don't want people to interrupt us. We're saying hey, I still have more to say. I just need to think about it. But in general, I feel like it makes your statements sound more powerful. And I don't know about more intelligent, maybe, but it just feels better for the listener. Yeah, not hearing ums all the time. So pause, be comfortable with silence. You don't need to fill in all the space. You'll be a more pleasing person to listen to. And then also, you know, speak in the mask. So that is that. Moving on. My third point, I call this uh, giving people ammo when you're talking to them. So if someone asks you a question, you know, people ask a lot of, uh, like, closed-ended questions, uh, which is fine because you can't ask an open-ended question for everything. But you can still give a response that is more like what you would give to an open-ended question to a closed-ended question. So, you know... Someone could ask you where you're from, and then you could say, oh, I'm from this town. You know, it had these features. This is what it was like growing up there. This is how I felt about it, things like that. And then that gives them a lot of conversational threads that they can then pull on if they want to. And the ammo analogy is I heard this from Charisma on Command from Charlie. Uh, he, He was talking about like putting ammo on a table that they can pick up and then go with that. I don't know why it has to be ammo in retrospect, but I guess it's like shooting is the conversation and you're giving them ammo with which to... Anyway, uh, 
yeah, so just give them more conversational threads that they can work with. And also, when you give a longer response, they can choose what thing they want to respond to from what you just said. And then, you know, if they're doing the same thing, it'll be a lot easier for the conversation to just continue naturally that way. Agreed. All right. The next thing that I have on my list is listening. I have a few sub points here. Uh, first, I read this in the Charisma Myth by Olivia Fox Cabane, I believe it was, who wrote that. And I, I really liked this. She was talking about uh, focus charisma. And that is about really just giving your full attention to the other person. And he was saying, when you're trying to talk to someone and embody that kind of charisma, don't interrupt them. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're giving them your full attention, it interrupting them would be contradictory to that. But also, let them interrupt you if you're talking. And that can be really frustrating sometimes. But if that, if you are really trying to be a good listener, that is a good way to go there. And that's not to say that you have to do that in every conversation, because I think, you know, being the world's best listener is not merited by every conversation and every situation. But if that's what you want to go for, that is something that you should do. Next, I heard this, I mean, I guess I've heard it in multiple places, but I thought Brandon Stanton put it best. So he is the uh, founder, creator of Humans of New York, the blog and Facebook page. And I, he was on the Tim Ferriss show, and this is where I heard him talk about this. He was saying when he was interviewing people, you know, people would ask him, like, oh, how do you do these interviews? Like, do you have a list of questions? Do you do a lot of preparation or anything like that? And he was saying the way to do the interviews well is to be fully present in the conversation because a person might be saying something and I would be talking about your kids and then you're thinking, okay, they're talking about their kids. When they finish speaking, I'm going to ask them more about that. But then they keep speaking and then they talk about their own childhood and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to ask them about their childhood when they're done speaking. And then they talk about the school they went to like, okay, I'm going to ask them about the school. And then they talk about their career or whatever. And you just have to follow them through wherever they're going and be fully present and really listen to them. And then once they get to the end of what they're saying, then talk about, ask them about whatever it was near the end. And as opposed to just picking something that they said at the beginning or just something that you wanted to talk about anyway and holding on to that and thinking about it the entire time and not really listening to them and then asking them about that thing from very early on because that indicates that you were not doing a very good job listening and at that point you're really making it more about yourself than about them. Yeah, I've always struggled with being more present in conversations and not interrupting people. But um, I think I've always been told that I'm a good listener. And I think it's just about making the conversation about being very attentive to who you're talking to and not making it like, oh, well, how can I make myself look better to this other person? But more about like, what can I learn from this person? And what are they trying to tell me right now? Right. And I would say a word of caution. While I do recommend all the things that I've said so far, like a, a common piece of advice that people give, like how to have a better conversation is be interested in the other person, ask them about themselves and where all of that advice originally comes from 
is from How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It came out like 80 years ago at this point. Is that, yeah, my math's 1930s, right. 1930s, I think. Yeah, I think it was 1936. You can check me on that if you'd like. Um, but he, his big thing in the introduction of the book is I made way more friends in two months by being interested in people than I did in two years by trying to be really interesting. And there's also a famous quote from some woman who had met Benjamin Disraeli and somebody else. They were like both prime ministers of Great Britain. And she was saying, I talked to one of the guys, I think it was not Disraeli. And by the end of the conversation, I thought he was the smartest person in the room or the smartest person in the world. And then I talked to Disraeli. And then by the end of that conversation, I thought I was. And just the point being Benjamin Disraeli was a really good listener and very good at making her feel special and feel intelligent which I do really like that story and I like Dale Carnegie's thing as well but my word of caution is that if you are too interested in the other person especially if you've just met them it can feel like an interview or it can feel really creepy and awkward if you just keep asking them about themselves the entire time without talking about yourself at all so there needs to be some balance. And it doesn't have to be 50-50 balance, but it can't just be like, oh, you just told me this thing? Tell me more. You don't get to learn anything about me. It's Yeah, it's for sure it's a push and pull. Like, it can be really frustrating whenever you're initially talking to someone and they talk only about themselves. That is so, especially when it's something boring, that is so <laughs> right. frustrating. And it just it makes their characters seem very annoying. Right. And I would say when you do talk about yourself, that is a good time to demonstrate your values to the other person. And when I first heard this advice, I thought it meant like, oh, like, what if they like don't like my values? Like, cause I, I was thinking in terms of like your political views, but there are a lot of things that people value that are like not divisive at all. It's like you could value honesty or authenticity or work ethic or kindness and things like that. Those are all very neutral, like, you know, something that people on all sides of the political spectrum can agree with. And it's, I, I think values typically are things that everyone likes just in differing amounts. So it's, you know, like we could both like authenticity, but, you know, theoretically I could be more into it than you are. So when I talk, if I'm demonstrating my love for authenticity, you know, that lets you feel like you get to know me more. And even though that might not be something that you prize as much as I do, that still allows us to connect. And, you know, you can share your own experiences with being authentic, what that means to you. Or conversely, if it's also something that you really value, that we, you know, have then created a really strong connection by the sharing of that mutual value. And if I had just been asking you questions about yourself all the time and never talked about myself, we might have never uncovered that connection. I think it's important to make sure that you are adopting a show-don't-tell policy whenever you are demonstrating what you value. Um, because if you're simply going, like, do you like honest people whenever you're talking to them? Oh, then yeah, yeah. It can be a bit more strange than if you're just more genuine about it and just being honest about your life and not necessarily necessarily going, I'm going to be honest right now, right. Um, but just doing it, that can help a lot in conversation. Right. Well, I think telling stories as a way to demonstrate your values is a good way to go as well. Yeah. Be like, 
oh yeah, I was dating this girl and then she cheated on me and it was horrible and it, you know, maybe that's not something you want to go in with someone you just met, but you know, anecdotes about people love yeah. failure stories, right? No, I'm just saying I yeah. wouldn't talk about no, a no, bad no. breakup yeah, no. <laughs> someone Initially. I just met. Hi, my girlfriend broke up with me. Also, what's your name? Yeah. Um, but yeah, stories like human beings are hardwired to really enjoy stories. Maybe that's an episode topic we should do. Although I don't feel as, as confident. an English major. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> Let's there do you it. go. There you go. That's uh, something I'd have to brush up on. But yeah, humans like stories. So using that as a way to just have an engaging conversation and also demonstrate values. Way I, to go. We were talking about this a few days ago, and it doesn't have to necessarily be an interesting story, but it's how you tell it. Oh, definitely. And I think a lot of people don't really understand like how to tell stories and how to present themselves to other people in this little boxed package. Because at the end of the day, like not that no one doesn't want to care, let know about you, and that they are only so like selfish to know about themselves. But if you present yourself in a way that's like so it's too much for another person, then that can be overwhelming for them because they already have their own lives to care about. They're the main character in their own story. So if you're just presenting yourself as like this very, I don't know, it's just like if you give them too much information, then it's too much to process. And it's just like, I don't care. Right. Yeah, and I would say a few tips on storytelling is, actually, I'm going to interrupt myself. The, I I think a good way to, like, get better at storytelling, but also, like, understand the point that Lar just made is the next time someone tells you a really interesting story, afterwards, like, ask yourself, what actually happened? Because a lot of times a story might just be like, oh, yeah, I was at the supermarket and then slipped on something. But, you know, a good storyteller can make that story really engaging even though it's not that interesting and a lot of people say like oh interesting things just don't happen to me like I don't have anything story worthy in my life and most people don't but people who are good storytellers can make a story out of it anyway um so that was the interruption what was I even saying before oh yeah I guess storytelling tips um don't disqualify your story at the beginning don't be like oh like you're probably gonna think this is stupid or this story is lame don't say it if you think it's lame just don't say it yeah don't, just don't, don't tell the story or just commit to it and do tell the story don't apologize right. whenever you're talking to someone as well don't say oh this is weird or this is strange but just don't cut that phrase out of your vocabulary <laughs> we're gonna say cut that shit out no <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounds like you're gonna say uh the other thing i would say is don't spoil the ending like, there, there was a scene in Modern Family that I thought illustrated this really well, where Gloria was in the supermarket, that's why I thought of that just now, and she was like, oh, I thought I saw Salma Hayek, and then she was, like, walking around, following her, or whatever, uh, this woman, and then Jay was like, I already know that it's not her, because you just told me that you thought you saw her. Um, so, let lead the audience on, you know, the the twist and turns of your story. Let the, there be suspense and, you know, let them not know how the story is going to end until you get to the end and you reveal that critical information. And obviously there's a lot of other storytelling tips. I'm not an expert in this field by any sense. I guess the last thing I'll say is practicing the story can help a lot. Just cut out unnecessary details. Cause when someone tells you a long story and you're like, you could have cut out the first five minutes of this six-minute story, and it would have not made a single difference. 
that's frustrating. So figure out what's important, what's not. I think I get really annoyed by people who talk too much, I think, um, in group chats. Oh, and yeah. Just think about what you're saying before you say it, like with the unnecessary details. Because it's not that people are uninterested. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's just, there's something about it that's just not appealing whenever someone just gives me so many details. Like I already have so much going on in my life and so many like thoughts in my head. And then I can't just take on someone else's like opinions like all the time. Like I don't need a constant stream of like consciousness from someone else. That's just not what I'm signed up for in like friendship. Right. And that's not to say that details are bad, but boring ones are. And I, I think... You can also add details that were not really there. Like, you, you can add in, like, dialogues that didn't really happen. Yeah, embellishment, exactly. Like, as an example of, like, nothing really interesting happened, but it still, like, it was made into a very good story. Patton Oswalt, my favorite comedian, has this bit called The Slob Avatar. You can find it on Spotify or wherever else. Um, it's off of his album, Finest Hour. But he was in a food court at a mall, and he noticed that it was, like, really clean, but then he saw this monstrously fat guy, and he just watched him eat for a second, and it was really gross. Like, that is the entire story, but he just adds all of these absurd comparisons, uh, you know, talking about, like, the guy's knees were powder, and how he, like ripped the hamburger that he was eating into three things and shoved it in his mouth at once. And it's like, and you know, his neck has got to be sending like, you know, any pain signals he can to try and get this guy to stop. And his brain's like, okay, uh, try shark attack. Literally anything. Just get him to stop shoving this much food in his mouth at once. And the bit is hilarious. Not that you would know, by the way, that I just told it. But he's just adding all of this into the story that he was, one, clearly not thinking of at the time. He thought of this later. But two, it's just these were not objective details of the story. He's just adding his own embellishments and he's a comedian. So, you know, obviously he's doing that to try and make it funny. And most people are not going to be able to do that as well as he does, but don't feel like you have to stick to just the straight facts of the story. You can ramp it up a lot. And as long as it doesn't detract from the story, like you don't make it too absurd or you don't change, like you don't lie about crucial details. No one's going to care. All right, my next point on listening, this is more on like how to get someone to keep talking if you're, you know, worried about a conversation dying down or, you know, if you just want to get to know more about them is ask, so on the, t like, in the vein of asking open-ended questions versus closed, but, you know, specifically asking questions uh, with how and why uh, is a good way to go here and like, you know, trying to understand oh, you just told me that you did this thing. You really like pool, for instance. For instance, How did you get into pool? You know, what makes you like pool? Things like that. And, you know, questions with why in the wrong context can seem a little accusatory. So I try and use questions that start with what, but still basically ask a why question and things like that. But Like what made you get into that? Right, exactly. Um, but that you know, will usually invite a much deeper and longer conversation, assuming that's what you want. Um, but rather than just being like, oh, you like pool? Cool. I don't. So clearly we can't talk about this yeah. anymore. But, you know, when you ask them, how did you get into this? What about it do you enjoy? Then they can start talking about their values or, you know, childhood experiences or anything like that. And they can tell you a story. 
and then you'll usually find something that you connect can connect with even if you don't you know like pool so that's something that i found helpful my last thing on listening is mirroring i read about this in never split the difference uh, the negotiating book that i mentioned in the last episode this is something that i have had a lot of fun with something that uh, fbi negotiators use a lot where the other person will be talking and if they want to get more information from the person they'll just repeat in the last one to three words of what the other person just said or the crucial one to three words if you know the crucial part happened in the middle of the sentence and then if you just repeat their three words and then phrase it as a question they'll normally keep talking and then reveal more information that they would not have otherwise given you and this is talking with some of Lars and my friends and I was explaining what I just said about mirroring, how you just say the last one to three words as a question. And then Anne was sitting there and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, what were you saying? I wasn't listening. And I said, you weren't listening? And she was like, oh, yeah, you know, like I was just, I was on my phone and I just looked up. And so, yeah, I wasn't paying attention. I was like, oh, you were on your phone? She was like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. I just, I just kept doing this to her like four times and she had no idea what I was doing. And I eventually just lost it. Uh, because of like how effective it was and how she's like so easily fell for it, even though I had just described what I was doing and, you know, she hadn't been paying attention, but you can try that one out. It works very well because I think people just dislike, you know, responding with one word after they have already said something to you. So they'll just keep talking and fill that space. Yeah. I tend to ramble whenever I'm talking to people, even if it's just about something completely dumb right um and another way that you can use that you know i don't treat your friends the people that you're talking to like they're terrorists and like you're in a hostage negotiation but a, a way that you can use that um is say someone's talking to you and they've been talking for a while and you've zoned out a little bit and then they're like oh hey steve what do you think of the proposal and i'm like shit what was the proposal like i wasn't even listening and instead of saying that you could be like what do i think of the proposal and they'll be like oh yeah we're trying to do this thing blah blah blah. i want to know what you think about it and then you're like ah yes i know exactly i was listening the entire time yeah. and then you can give them a response yeah like give it a little bit more time to like think about it right exactly and then also you can hopefully get them to repeat crucial mm. information that you need to give an intelligent response yeah. i've not tried that application of mirroring yet but the thought excites me I think I've done something similar with names because instead of saying like, oh, I don't know what your name is, I might say like, oh, remind me what your name is or remind me how to like spell your name or right. something like that instead of just outright saying like, I don't know what your name is and I totally forgot. Right. I remember in, I was probably 16 or something in high school and I saw something on iFunny, you know, back in the day when that was still a thing. Is that still a thing actually? I know. Did you ever use it? I know what it is. Okay. But yeah. it's like for memes. Yeah, yeah. No, my um I, I mentioned to my roommates one time that I used iFunny in high school and they completely trashed <laughs> me because my roommates are much bigger memers than I am and iFunny definitely has noob memes in retrospect. Anyway, I think I saw this on iFunny, but it was like, oh, if you forget someone's name, just be like, Hey, what's your name? And then they'll be sad that you forgot and be like, No, your last name. Or like they'll be sad, tell you their first name, and you'd be like, No, I meant your last name. Yeah. Which I remember at the time thinking like, oh, that's brilliant. But I feel like 
when do you ever ask someone what their last name like, is? They, yeah. well, not even that, but when do you say what is your name, but intend their last name? Like I've yeah. never done that. I, one thing that really helped me with knowing people's names and faces, I'm actually like really good at knowing people's names and faces. I don't know if you knew that, but, um, I like to use social media to know everyone's name. Um, so if you're in a group chat with a bunch of people, just go through and kind of memorize like whose name is going to whose face. And that can really help. I find that if you're already too deep into like knowing someone, like say you have a class with someone, it's two weeks in and you've been talking to them a lot, but you totally forgot what their name is. Go to your group for that class and find their picture and find out what their name is through that and stuff like that. Like Facebook is a really useful source for this sort of thing. Um, Another thing that I learned from How to Win Friends and Influence People was that someone's name is the sweetest word in any language and it means a lot to someone if you use their name in conversation with them. For sure. Yeah, I so to deal with that, to try and memorize their name, what I'll do is if I'm talking, like if say you and I had just met and be like, hi, what's your name? Laura. Oh, Laura, nice to meet you, Laura. And then I need, now I've said it twice. And then rather than just expecting yourself to memorize it, and I, I think twice is maybe unnecessary, but just saying it out loud now that name has not only like passed through your ears, it's also passed through your mouth, which sounds weird, but like speech and hearing are like located in different parts of your brain. So if you can get the name to go through multiple parts of your brain, oh, voice crack, go through multiple parts of your brain, uh, then you can, you're more likely to remember it. And I guess if you like wrote it down too, that would be a different part of your brain goes through. I've definitely done that trick a few times now. Right. Apparently, Bill Clinton is, like, very, very good at remembering names mm. and knows, like, over 5,000 people. Do you want to yeah. know a fun fact about Bill Clinton? Sure. I went to this pub in Oxford. Uh, weird flex, but okay. Uh, but ah, yes. it had this sign on the wall that said, like, Bill Clinton did not. Like, he apparently made, like, a press statement where he was like, I did not smoke weed at this pub. Anyway, there's, like, a sign for it, which I thought was funny because huh, you don't know think about presidents, like, smoking. But... Anyway. Well, he was the one who said, like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but, like, I put a joint in my mouth, but I did not inhale. That's the sign. Yeah. Yeah. That was what the sign was about. Yeah. I don't think it was a joint, but it was, the, like, I did not inhale. Yeah. Which it is was like, like, yeah, it was like, I was there. Why I would you, smoke. that's, yeah. he smoked. Yeah. Let's just, whatever. I mean, that was also back in the 90s, more scandalous than it was now. I yeah. Mean, it's still kind of odd for a president. I don't know. You just right. think about people in, like, in positions of power and you don't think about them doing something that you assume is like morally bad, you know, but I mean, I they think do you're it supposing all the time. That, uh, it's, I mean, I, I think a good chunk of America still thinks that smoking is bad, but That's a lot I mean. of people don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, didn't my a push teacher told me that Obama was like the leader of some weed smoking club in his high really? school. Yeah. This is I don't very know if that's off true. topic. That's, for, uh... Yeah. This is this is what people come listen yeah, to podcasts for content. anyway. Yeah. yeah. What do you think people like all the stupid things I write down? Nah, they're just looking for the banter. The banter. Yeah. And all the fun facts. Right. Right. And that, I don't know if that Obama thing is true, but you can it go might be. take it up with Miss Vandegrift from my high school. All right. I don't even remember what were we talking. How did we get here? That's a great question. Well, I'll just move on then. Mirroring is cool. That was the last thing that I've written down that I talked about. The last thing that I have is uh, open body language. This one, I think if you think about too much, it can be contrived and it can be awkward. But 
you know, we can be sending unconscious signals to someone that, excuse me, make us look less inviting, you know, like having your arms crossed or, you know, being turned away from someone. And, you know, that's not to say that you always have to be like, you know, spread eagle open when you're talking to someone, but, you know, uncrossing your arms, pointing your body towards them makes them, you know, feel like you want to talk to them. And again, maybe that's not what you always want, but assuming you do want to have a good conversation with them, being open can usually help with that. And I will say like the pointing your feet thing and just like having being directly pointed at them can be a little bit too much sometimes. I feel like especially if you are a man talking to a woman that you don't know and then just like being all in could be creepy. Uh, yeah. You can speak to that more than I can, obviously. I think um, being a woman, I've never really noticed that, but maybe if they're like standing too close, like that could be weird. But I definitely for me in high school, I used to cross my arms a lot. And then coming into college, especially recently, I've as- adopted the power pose that Steve <laughs> talks about. It's it's basically both arms are on your hips um, and your <laughs> okay. feet. Wait, your no. feet are out wide. <laughs> not That's, what I'm is saying that the power in this pose? situation. I mean, there are multiple power oh, okay. poses. Okay. Well, I, I like actively make myself do a power pose. Okay. I was not saying, I'm just saying don't cross your arms or like don't put something like physically blocking you and the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Because that just makes yourself seem closed off. And again, not the end of the world, but if you want to seem more inviting, that's something that you can help. And I'll say the, where I got the like, don't like stand too close and like point directly at someone like a woman that you don't know is I was watching the Tim Ferriss experiment, a different show from the Tim Ferriss show where he was the episode was called the dating game and he was trying these various strategies to get a girlfriend you know because he's tim ferris and has to experiment with everything and one of his strategies was to learn pickup from neil strauss uh neil strauss is an author who wrote the game which like made the pickup artist movement mainstream uh and i I would say in general, a lot of pickup artists are scumbags, but Neil Strauss seems to be a good guy from what I've seen and read from him. Uh, so I just want, when I say that, I want to be clear that I'm not advocating, you know, on behalf of pickup artists at all, because I, I think a lot of them are, you know, sleazy people. But in that episode of the Tim Ferriss experiment, he was, Neil was telling Tim like, oh, when you approach a woman, you need to be like leaned back or whatever and have your like chest a little bit away from them which I think is just, like, you don't want to be, like, imposing yourself on them. And yeah, maybe someone would hear that and think that's stupid. I have never tried that or experimented with it at all. But I think Neil Strauss does know what he's doing, so I am willing to defer to his authority on that, that you don't want to be, like, too forward right away when you're talking to someone you don't know. I think what I notice most whenever I'm talking to someone is their posture. Right. So if you think that you might have bad posture, just simply look at yourself in the mirror, like what Steve's doing right now, (laughs) um, and think about how you're presenting yourself to others and just keep shoving your shoulders back and just actively thinking about how you're standing. And, but at the same time, don't think too much about it because I think that can come across as being kind of awkward it's interesting how your body positions can make you seem more awkward and more confident, but just let loose a little bit and have fun with it because I think the people who are more closed off and like 
very conscious of how they're standing can come across as more like people that you don't want to associate with because they're just so like uptight. Right. And I would say on the posture thing, I think I brought this up in the first episode, mm-hmm. Eight Steps to a Pain-Free Back. You probably do have bad posture and you just don't know it like most people in Western countries do. I thought the book was great, but I, I it's it can be a bit dry. Mixed reviews. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good topic. It's just hard right. to get through. Indeed. But if, yeah, you, you probably have bad posture, so that is a thing to be aware of. And there, there is the solution if you want to improve your posture. Because uh, I found that just pushing my shoulders back to be Wasn't not enough. effective, at yeah. least for me personally. I think for me, one thing that really helped was doing yoga if you're a woman. Um, Men can do yoga too. I mean, they can do yoga too. It's just like it's more popular for women. But because um, that contorts your body in such strange, posi- like almost like unnatural positions. Like they feel great whenever you're in them, but they're just like stretches. So a lot of those positions can be really good for opening up your chest and making you more conscious of how you're aligning your body. And it helped for me. Not saying that my posture is great, but it's definitely better. Right. Yeah, I was watching a TED Talk, I think yesterday, with um, Sam Harris, and he was talking about the future of AI. And the first thing that I noticed was, actually, I think the first thing that I noticed was that he seemed a little bit like in a box with his gestures, but also his head seemed like kind of in a weird position, just that he was like hunched down a little bit. And I, I thought it was a very, very good talk. I liked it a lot. Uh, Sam Harris is a very good speaker and he clearly knew the topic well, but I was a little bit distracted by the fact that he just was hunching a little bit and it didn't really take away from the speech, but obviously it was notable enough to me to bring it up now. Uh, but Sam Harris can still give a much better TED talk than I ever could. So he's got me beat there. Continuing along with how you're expressing yourself through your body um, one simple thing that has been repeated many, many times, but is very effective is eye contact. Oh yeah, for sure. If you can practice it just in little ways, like in class, like I try to be one of like the only students in my class who's like actually making eye contact. It helps with listening. And you with the professor or just with, with the professor, yeah. whenever they're talking, if you just make, eye, or try to make eye contact with them, you'll find that most people in the class are not looking up. Or just walking along the class. Like, I think it's really interesting if you're walking around and you look at someone, they will most of the time look back at you because a lot of people just are not looking up. So if you are one of the few people who's actually looking around, being observant of what's going on around you, like, people will notice you. It's a very small thing, but it's very effective. Right. I think, too, with listening, um, if you are making eye contact and you, like, nod or say, like, right like as they're talking it shows that you're still engaged in what they have to say and it's a very it's a very like small gesture even if you're not listening just go right or yeah or nod your head and that will be really what do i think of the proposal yeah Yeah. exactly just like pretend at least like you're listening and that'll really help right people just want you to pretend they don't need you to be engaged yeah i think even practicing like faking engagement will like lead to it's a tiny tiny bit of engagement Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like the um, the Ben Franklin effect, I guess, or just the consistency mm-hmm. principles. Like, if you act a certain way, your brain will force you into alignment to actually behave, like, believe that you are the way that you're acting Yeah. to be. Yeah. The thing that I was going to say on eye contact was it's very easy to make eye contact with someone 
when you are listening to them, but it's a lot harder to make eye contact when you're speaking to someone, which is what I'm trying to do right now as I'm speaking to you, Laura. But that is what I try and work on more because obviously it's not hard to look at someone when you're not saying anything. I think you have to be wary of how much eye contact you're giving though because I think at a certain point it can be almost creepy and weird right. if you're just drilling holes into someone else's eyes. Like you kind of have to like read the other person a little bit and kind of know like okay I'm gonna look on for like five seconds and like look off you know it's just something that you just kind of like naturally like adopt as you're starting to like practice talking to people right don't just stare at them basically right. well I think also when neither of you are speaking that's a good time to break eye contact because if you are staring you know most of the time when there's actually something going on i feel like that is more okay than if it just the conversation ends and you're like you're looking around you're like okay you know this is chill we can probably get back on it but then they're looking at you the entire time while you're thinking of things to say that can be uncomfortable it's just like leave me alone yeah the last thing that i had on body language and just in general i might have mentioned this in a previous episode show your palms when you're talking to someone because that you know on a you know like deep primal level says like you can see my palms i'm not holding a weapon i am not going to attack you and that makes people trust you more obviously you're not consciously thinking that but definitely works if you can't see someone's hands they feel sketchier than they otherwise would yeah even though the words that are coming out of your mouth are just engaged with your mouth if that makes sense use your whole body whenever you're talking because that can just be I don't know. It's more fun to talk to someone who's using their whole body. It's like they're talking. Is like they're nodding. They're, I don't know, just like their body posture. Just like it's a full body like exercise. It's not just something that is restricted to your mouth moving and your whole body is just stiff. Right. Definitely. I agree. Flailing be, around. Yeah. No, that would be funnier if we had a video feed. I also thought this piece of paper is going to fly off my leg. So it'd be like a little bit more obvious that that was what I was doing. But alas. Anyway. I've hit all my points. Is there anything else you'd like to add to our beautiful viewers? No, I think I think I'm good. All right. Well, I'm Steve. I'm Laura. We'll see you in the next episode of Vitality. Have a good one.